0: When I was in elementary school, first grade, we, we had this kind of this one week where it was called be cautious. And they would have a, a speaker come in and we'd go through this material, we'd do coloring sheets and it was about being cautious about things that are dangerous. Do not go to strangers, do not get in anybody's car. And, uh, and, and I think, I didn't realize it at the time, but I'm pretty sure my mom got information because at home she was hammering it into us. All right, Roy, if you see a stranger, don't, no matter what they offer you, don't go to them. And so, okay, we got all that information, didn't think about it. But then it happened, you know, uh, walking home from school, guy pulls up, opens the door, hey, I work with your mom, come on in, I'm, I'm giving you a ride home. And I just booked because I was trained that you don't do that. If you don't know the person, you don't go into the car. And I was prepared for something that was gonna be very harmful and very dangerous. Years later, I was a president, the only time I was president uh, of anything, I was a president of a uh, martial arts, a shodokan karate club at Long Beach State. And we would practice twice a week, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we would practice, and most of them were students, brand new people, they didn't even have their gi, they were you know, just in their workout gear. And uh, one semester, we had two girls that were attacked. In both instances, they punished their attacker. They were not good fighters. I mean, I would see them in class, and they were, well, they really couldn't do a whole lot. But they were prepared, and they were trained to a point. And when somebody came to them, they responded, and they took care of business. And there were some bad people that got day, and not the good people. Today in our passage and what Glenn uh, started with us is uh, talking about the end times. And and as we put it into context, it's just after Jesus had spoke to the multitude and he talks about the different woes and he addresses the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and he talks about the hypocrite and they're making applause and, and he just hammers them. But then they go away and the disciples come and they ask him these questions. And at this point, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And it says in verse 3, he's talking to them privately. And he is getting ready. He is helping them to be ready, to be watchful for what is to come because bad things are coming. See, chapter 24 and 25, as Glenn noted, is called the Olivet Discourse. It is uh, strictly to his disciples because chapter 26, 27, 28 are coming. And he was preparing them for the bad things that were going to happen. But before we get into that, let's look at what some of the stuff that Glenn covered and just kind of give a framework for what we're going to be covering. And we're going to be finishing chapter 24 of this Olivet Discourse. First, Glenn mentioned about biblical prophecy and the study of it is very important to life to the life of the follower of Jesus Christ. And we ought to all be students of biblical prophecy. And he gave the number one reason was the quantity of prophecy in the Bible. He says, one-fourth to one-third of the Bible is prophecy. He said, Bible prophecy authenticates the Bible, offers the clearest indication that the Bible is in fact the Word of God. There are so many hundreds of prophecies that have already came through came to be, including about the, the Lord Jesus Christ to the very specific details of the piercing of his hands, of uh, not breaking a bone, coming on a the, on the, on the cult, and many more. It's a tool for evangelism, Bible prophecy. You know, we can, can you explain when the Bible speaks of something 2,000 years before it happens, it happens. Bible prophecy is an encouragement for holy living. It reminds us of God's awesome power and to live with anticipation. Let's look at the content now of the beginning of this discourse. In the first 14 verses, he's dealing with the signs to the world. In verse 15 through 35, he's dealing with Israel. And in verse 36 through 51, he's dealing with the church. In verses 5 and 6, we're going to be covering from verse 23, so I'm just to give a brief overview of, of what was covered in this, in this discourse. It says in verse 5 and 6, he he's, covers the coming of false messiahs. In verse 7, the nation will rise against nation. Also in verse 7, talks about famine, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. In verse 10... People will betray one another. In verse 11, talks about false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Lawlessness will abound, in verse 12, and the love of many will grow cold. We're told of the things that people will go through at the end times, in verse 15 through 22. Pastor Glenn went over what we believe that the scripture says about the great tribulation and rapture. It says, if you missed that, please check it out on the website. And, and uh, the video and audio of that sermon are up there. That tribulation was spoken of here is that in this chapter is something that the, we believe that the church will miss because of the rapture. And he gave these points. The first and foremost, that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins so that we don't have to endure the wrath of God. Paul writes that God will deliver us from the wrath to come. And... Thessalonians 1:10. Well, let me start at verse nine. It says, "For they themselves declared concerning us what manner of entry, entry we had had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve them living and true God, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven." whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. You know, God Design His character wasn't for to put us through wrath. And this was also shown in, in Genesis in the account of Sodom and Gomorrah. If only five righteous people were living in that city, God said he would take hold back his wrath. Secondly, it is only the pre-tribulation rapture that would have us waiting and looking for Jesus Christ. The last verse Glenn covered is verse 22. It talks about the elect, the chosen ones. The the Chosens would refer to two people in the Bible. First, it referred to Israel, and secondly, it referred to the church. We believe because of the context, he's talking about um, Israel. The reference to sacrifice, synagogue, the Sabbath law are things that the Christians are concerned with. And it shows evidence that the people that are going to be going through this seven-year tribulation uh, is Israel. And if we're walking with the Lord, if we're right with the Lord, We aren't going to be here. But it's important for us to know because it is coming in Jesus Christ. You have to remember that he's speaking to his disciples to warn them because there is bad things coming. Scripture refers to Israel as the elect. Let's look at Isaiah 45, 4. Like I said, I'm a a man of few words. I got a lot of things jumbled up in my brain. So I like to give a lot of scripture. So today we're going to have a lot of scripture. 45.4 45.4 says, For Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. And then Romans 11.28. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, They are beloved for the sake of the fathers. And again, here's referring to although they were enemies, they persecuted uh, the Christians, they were still beloved, they were still the elect. Although we need to be aware of the elect, in the great tribulation is Israel. We also remember that Jesus was talking to his disciples, privately warning him of the things to come. And we also need to be watchful for that. As we continue where Glenn left off in verse 23, we'll look at the importance of the end times and why we need to be watchful, faithful, and be ready. Now let us turn to our portion today, verse 23 through 51. Please stand with me as we read the first section, verse 23 through 31. (coughs) Matthew chapter 24, verse twenty three through thirty one Then if anyone says to you Look here is the Christ or there do not believe it for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible even the elect. See I have told you beforehand, therefore if you say if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out, or look. He is in the inner room. Do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For whoever the carcass is, or wherever the carcass is, there the eagle will be gathered together. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give it its light. The stars will be will fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and the man will, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the cloud in the heavens with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Father, we just uh, praise you and thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and grace. Thank you, Lord God, that you desire no one to perish, but all to have eternal life. Thank you, Lord God, for your word. Father, and that is a life unto our feet. Lord God, we pray that you would uh, speak to us through your word, Lord God. And thank you that your word is powerful to change hearts. We pray that you would change our hearts today. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, that was a lot of review. Okay, Okay. as we could see in this passage, the condition of the, the world becomes very terrible, and they're looking for relief, and they're looking for hope. We are told that the false Christs were coming. We are told not to believe them, that they will be very convincing, but do not be fooled. In verse 24, it says, The great signs and wonders, if possible, even the elect will be fooled. Second Thessalonians 2.9 says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Here we are reminded that our enemy has dark powers and will use them to deceive. Satan shows that one of, great, one of our great weaknesses is our attraction to power in our flesh we want and desire to control our distant destiny satan's tactics haven't changed much in the garden of eden satan's deceiver goes to eve in genesis 3 verse 2 to 6 and the woman said to the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden god has said you shall not eat of it eat it nor shall you touch it lest you die then the serpent said, Eve knew the, God, the word of God. She knew the truth. But then the serpent said in verse 4 to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, that a tree, desir- a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave her husband with her, and he ate. Here we see even the original sin, the beginning, Satan uses the lure of power. False Christs are also going to show signs and wonders and to see people. You know, we're, we are attracted uh, to power. You know, even even today, we you hear over and over again, it's like uh, we want. We're going to save the save the earth, you know, through uh, whatever, you know, putting uh, recycling and different things. And we're always uh, we're we're always drawn to power. It says for us, with Adam and Eve, keep from being deceived. We must know and obey the word of God. Eve knew you could see that she knew exactly what God wanted, but she decided to go her own way, and and you know the consequences and. And the, the thing that we need to remember here too is that Eve's temptation just wasn't that the, this fruit tree was in the middle. There was actually a spiritual element here. There was an evil one that came into the garden that deceived. Ephesians 6:11 through 12 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verses 25 and through 27, we are told of these things that we don't, don't believe in them. But Jesus is coming. As lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. One of the things that is deceiving, that... that one of the reasons I believe we, we become deceived is sometimes we don't see God. And I believe it's times where we're not walking with God. It's, it's times when we're kind of a little bit away. It might be times where you, you still might be at church, you still might be involved, but there's times when you're away, and it's times like that when we're weak. But we are assured here when we look at this passage that when Jesus Christ returns that it's not gonna be in secret. It says it's gonna flash like lightning from the east to the west. Those of you that were here a few months ago when we had that lightning storm, that lightning, I heard, hit the base. We were, we were planning to go climb three peaks that, that day, Monday. And I said, uh, the rain or shine, we're gonna go. And then the lightning hit, uh, we're, we're gonna stay home. <laughs> but when that lightning hit, it was frightening. It was like thunder and light came at the same time, boom! And it it shook our old house we have a a, a house that's like 50, 50 years old and um and we knew it was there except when jesus christ comes he's going to fill the it's going to be bigger than that you know the jehovah's witness believe that jesus Christ came already and he he came in this and appeared in this small room i forget what what state it was and that he you know they they believe he 's here now and that's deception. When Jesus Christ comes, there will be no doubt. There's going to be a big bang. It's going to light up, and uh, angels will come, as we'll see. It says, we have a wonderful picture here of a false Christ deceiving people and the satanic power performing signs and wonders and giving people a false gospel and a false hope. Then you have Jesus returning like a flash of lightning to cover the whole sky from east to west. And, and that's another thing, a false hope. One of the things that we all desire, that we all need, is hope. Um, this country, as I shared before, for a couple decades, Japan led the world in suicide rate. Over 30,000 suicide uh, a year. Now they're, they're, they fall on the third or possibly fourth because... One of the things that, one of the, well, the main reason for suicide is hopelessness. And the growing of hopelessness, I mean, it's just, as we see things get worse and worse, hopelessness is growing, suicide is growing, the value of life is is decreasing. And um, the end signs are coming. In verse 28 it reads, for whatever the carcass is, there is the eagle will be gathered together. And there's a couple of different interpretations on this, so I'll, I'll give you both. In Exodus 19, the top, on top of Mount Sinai, it says that Moses went to God and told him to tell the people, in Exodus 19:4, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. One of the interpretations of this verse, that wherever the carcass is, there the eagle will be gathered, is this, when Jesus comes back, everyone will know, he will come like lightning, and then he will gather his children, he will gather his elect. One of the thoughts is the Jews will recognize him as the Christ, their Messiah, for the first time, not as a second coming, but as a first coming, and they'll gather to him. Another view is just as compelling an argument as referring to this, this passage is referring to the great battle at Armageddon that's uh, recorded in, in Revelations chapter 17 through 18. Revelations 19, 17 through 18. It says, Then I saw an angel standing in, in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of the heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God that you may eat of the flesh of the kings and flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. Here the birds feed on the carcasses that seem to be agents of divine judgment, the belief that when the Lord comes back, he will come in judgment. And we, we need to remember that God is a loving God, a righteous and holy God, and that when he does come back, he is going to judge the world. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats when He does come back. And so this is also a very possible interpretation. But, you know, as, as I was studying for this passage, this, this, as some of you know, this took me a long time because there is this, when you talk about the end times, there is just so much that has been written about it. But, you know, I'm, I'm a plumber by trade, and I like to simplify things. And when it really comes down to it, both these in Scripture can be backed up. But when you come down to it, the application is still the same. Whether if it's gathering the elect or whether it's judging the world, both of those are going to happen. The application is still the same. We need to be watchful, and we need to be faithful, and we need to be ready for the end times. After the seven-year tribulation, we are told that the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of, of Man, in verses 29 through 31. Verse 29 says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the power of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming on a cloud of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send the angels with a great sound of trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. And again, he's going to be gathering together his elect, Israel, and we believe also those who come to the Lord during the tribulation. After the tribulation, there shall be darkness, it says in verse 29. And we are told in Joel um, 2, verses 31 through 32, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And again, the elect and those who come to the Lord. For the mount, in Mount Zion... And in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Some believe due to the destruction of the seven-year tribulation that there's going to be a physical darkness that covers the earth. With the Antichrist, there's a spiritual darkness. That With the wars and disasters, there is going to also be a massive amount of destruction and a possible physical Darkness. And so that's why the lights, the sun and the moon, were darkened. And there's another thought here is that the creator of the sun. I like this one better. The creator of the sun, moon, and stars is taking authority of this earth in in the son of man, Jesus Christ's return, in his full glory. When Jesus Christ returns, he's coming back in his full, full glory from heaven. And it said in the Old Testament, the glory of the Lord as you read in the Old Testament, rested over the tabernacle and then and then in the temple. And it was God they call Sheginah, Shekinah glory, that rested over the people of Israel until it left them because of their sin. Shekinah is the word, a uh, Kel, Keldi word meaning resting place. The word isn't found in the Bible, but it was used by the Jews to designate the visible s- symbol of God's presence in the tabernacle and in Solomon's temple. The thought is when Jesus returns, he will be his full Shekinah glory and it will be like lightning in the sky from the, rest, from the east to the west, the power and glory. So when Jesus comes in his full, full glory, it's, it's, well, I don't know if you guys watched the Lord, Lord of the Rings, right? When, when, when there was a great big battle and uh, darkness was coming And Gandalf, he holds up his thing. It's like, you know, everybody kind of turns back. That's kind of the picture, except when Jesus Christ returns in his Shekinah glory, his heavenly glory, his heavenly body, it's going to be light. Another word for for the Lord is light, right? He's the light of the world. And it's going to be so much light that it's going to overpower the sun and the moon and the stars. Do we know exactly what it's going to be like? No. But it's exciting to think about God coming back in his glory. Then in verse 31, He will send his angels with great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And again, the angels coming with trumpets. There is no doubt when Jesus returns. Somebody comes to you and claims to be the Christ or know the Christ And there are people like that as glenn shared a couple weeks ago and there's a guy in okinawa and there's a number of people throughout the world one thing we know for sure is that they're deceivers because when christ does come we will know it'll be clear again the lord is going to make it clear that he is coming the lord is sending angels that will be sounding their trumpet in ancient israel as in many ancient lands the trumpet was used to announce important events or people, The sound of the angel's trumpet on earth will be an announcement of the return of Christ and it will assemble his elect on the earth. We don't need to look at any other sign, but Jesus' return is going to be clear and seen by all and we need to be ready and we need to be watchful for when he comes. Next he goes on to illustrate and reinforce his message in this discourse by sharing a parable. It says in verse 32, Now learn this parable from a fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all all these things, know that it is near at the door. Surely, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away all these things take place and verse 35 heaven and earth will pass away but my words will by no means pass away there's a couple of different interpretations of this parable one of the interpretation is that uh, this parable represents Israel Joel 1 6-7 says for a nation has come upon against my land strong and without number. His teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the fangs of a fierce lion. He has laid waste my vine and ruined my fig tree. He has stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. The fig tree was a symbol of Israel nationally, historically, and scripturally. The budding of the fig tree in this Summer is referring to the rebirth of the nation of Israel, which took place in may 14, 1948. You see, the nation of Israel was disobedient, and they were judged and they were scattered in AD seventy, over two thousand years ago. In Deuteronomy twenty-eight, sixty-four through sixty-eight it says, Then the Lord will scatter you among all people, from one end of the earth to the other, and there shall serve other gods which neither you nor your father have known, wood or stone. And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear the day and night and have no assurance of life. Verse 67. In the morning you shall say, Oh, that it were evening, and in the an evening you shall say, Oh, that it were morning, because the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see. And the Lord will take you back to Egypt in ships by the way of which I said to you, you shall never see it again, and there you shall be offered for sale for to your enemies as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. In the year A.D. 70, Rome Rome overthrew Israel. And the Romans so wanted to annihilate Israel completely that they even changed the name, Israel. Israel, which means governed by God. They changed the name to Philistia, or also known as Philistine, or Palestine. In Palestine, or Philistia means the land of the Philistines. Over two thousand years ago, Israel was changed to Palestine. Nineteen forty-eight. After over two thousand years, Israel after the Holocaust, where Israel lost over six million of their people, for the first time, people had compassion on them and decided they should have their land back. And the Israel was rebirthed. And that in itself is a miracle. And throughout history, any country that was overthrown and dispersed, within two generations, they lost their culture, they lost their identity. No other country in history has ever recovered after being annihilated and being spread out. Israel was annihilated. They spread out throughout the world. There was no longer Israel. But they were still the elect. And God brought them back together in 1948. This is one view of this parable of fig trees. Jeremiah 23, 3-4 says, But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking says the lord the jews after two thousand years were gathered back together now we are told in matthew twenty four thirty four, the generation shall not pass away till these things take place so this is where we get into some more digging into scripture and finding out what does it mean to be a generation it says when israel comes back together this will be the last generation Let's turn to Genesis 15, 13 through 16. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, You shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the inequities of the Amorites is not yet complete. It was 400 years that they returned in the fourth generation, so it's believed that a generation in this context was 100 years. And uh, that being said, also in Genesis, um, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness... 40 years also said to be a generation so a generation is referred to as 40 years but it's also referred to as 100 years and so some believe that this is the last generation that, that interpret this as a fig tree parable as Israel believe that somewhere between now and 2048 Jesus is going to return do we know that? all we know for sure is that we won't know the time or day but that that is one thought of this parable. The second interpretation of this parable, and believe me, there were more, (laughs) but I'm I'm just giving you two that I I think had some some substance to them, Um, is that this fig tree produces in due season, and that the end times will come in due season, and we will know by the approaching season by the signs. So when summer comes, we know the weather changes. We just, we know we, we we don't have to wear the big coats anymore. I like this rule I learned about biblical interpretation. It says usually the simplest reading is usually the correct reading. It says both these interpretations make sense, but the most important thing again, whether it be Israel and that it's going to happen by the year 2048, or whether they're talking about this fig tree that in due season, uh, the end will come, and when when the signs come in due season, Jesus will return. It's the same interpretation. I mean, it's not the same interpretation, but it's the same application. Let's be watchful. Let's be faithful. And let's be ready. Verse 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. For most of us, being watchful, faithful, and ready. We need to be in God's word. The word of God referred to it as a sword of the spirit in in, in Ephesians 6. And speaking of the spiritual armor. And the sword is our only offensive weapon. But it also can be used for defense too. So the, the sword is all powerful to protect and to defend and to put out fiery darts. We need to know the word of God. Eve knew the Word of God. Eve knew and said, okay, don't eat of this tree. But yet she, she ate. We need to know the Word of God and we need to remain faithful. Genesis 6, 9. Well, let's, let's go on to um, verses 36 to 44. Wow, I've got a lot of time, but I'm, I'm going to get you out early. <laughs> 36 to 34. But of that day and hour so no one knows not even the angels of heaven but my father only but as the days of noah were so also will be coming the son of man be for in for as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day of noah entered the ark ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 40. Then two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you will not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Verse 44, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not know. Here we were looking at at, at Noah. He was a faithful man. In Genesis 6, 9 it says, This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. Noah was a man that listened to God's voice and followed him, regardless of the consequence. We see people here in verse 38 that were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day of Noah entered the ark. Like in Noah's days, when the end comes, many will not be ready and will be judged. Noah was a man that heard God's voice. Noah was a man that spent time with God. And Noah was a man that was faithful and that was obedient. Noah was a man that was, a, he was a prophet that was speaking the word of God, yet people did not listen. And when the flood came, and the houses were destroyed, and people were perishing, and Noah and his family were safe in the ark and it was too late for everybody outside because they were not watchful. They were not faithful, and they were not ready. God is giving his message to his disciples and and giving to us so that we will be ready. In verses 42 through 44, Jesus implores his disciples to to be watchful. He he will come like a thief in the night. We won't know the hour that the thief is coming, but we do know that he is coming and that he was coming at a time we least expected. When we know a thief is on his way, we would need to be ready. So if we're at home and we know somebody tells us 100% sure this thief is coming and he's coming to your house someday. What do you do? It says stay watchful. But how can you stay watchful 24-7? You cannot. So what is the answer here? It says be watchful, be faithful, be prepared. How can we be watchful when the thief is coming at a time we do not know? You in the military know how you stay watchful. Is that you have other men and women. You have a group and you have assignment. You have the church. You have the body of Christ and you have different gifts being used. You have people teaching the kids, feeding the word. You have people cleaning the church. And we have fellowship. And when things happen, we have each other's back. At least we're supposed to. We're supposed to have each other's back. Of course, we, are, we, we fail sometimes. Part of being watchful, I believe, is that you need to be plugged into the church. You need to have a body. And, and not just attend. I mean, we could, we could watch this service, and you could watch this message online, in home. You don't even have to get dressed up. You could do it in your PJs. But I believe to be watchful, we need to plug in. That means get involved. That means become part of the team, the battle. There's a battle going on for each one of you and your families. There is an intense battle. It's a spiritual battle. And if you're not plugged in and you're standing alone, the chances of your survival are very, very small. Very small. Watchful. It's getting plugged in and being faithful. In the next chapter, we'll be covering the parable of the talents. But one of the things I wanted to share with you is Matthew 25, 21, where it talks about the faithful servant. It says, His Lord said to him in 25, 21, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will m- make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of the Lord. Let's be faithful servants. Finally, verses twenty-five or 45 through 51. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over the hou- his household, and gave, food, gave them food in due season. Verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on that day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour that he is not aware of, and will cut him to in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In this section we're talking about we, he talks about a faithful servant and a, and an evil servant. One thing to note is they are both servants. He's talking about the church now. He says there are faithful servants and there are evil servants. The word evil here also has the connotation that it was once good. It was changed to being evil. In the the Greek word, kakos. And so here we have another warning. And we we see this more often than we we like to admit. But people that start off strong that you find out to not finish well. And, um, you know, one of the things that we really missed as uh, young, young Christians, my wife and I, and we had young kids, is um, that we really, even when we, we were in the States at the time, we really missed having older people. There were a few, but having older people that we're still on fire for the Lord. There are so few, there are so few that make it to the end, get tired, or drop out, fall into sin, whatever. In fact, I, I remember having a person come up to me. I'm talking to him. He was somewhat involved in the church years ago. He said, well, I'm leaving it to you young guys now. I'm, I'm retired. And he's meaning spiritually retired. there's a difference here between a faithful servant and a wise servant. The faithful servant here was somebody that was waiting, that was watching, that was ready. When we know the Lord is returning at any time and he's going to come and he's going to take us into eternal paradise and we're waiting, you know. I, I hear stories and, and I'm not in the military, but I don't know, but I, I hear stories of, of children of some of your families here when you come back from deployment and uh, you know we, we have a friend coming back tonight and they 're excited and they 're par- parrying and and, and it, it's he 's coming and it's it's a it 's not something that you okay yeah dad's coming back home or mom 's coming back home it 's an excitement, and the faithful because there 's love there and there's there 's something going on there in that family and these when we 're faithful servants when we're when we're walking with the Lord, we are going to be excited daily because he's going to return. And right now we have this gospel. We have this gospel. The knowledge, the spirit, that is the answer to give hope to the nations. That through Jesus Christ only, that we have eternal life and we have this. This is exciting. How could we get tired of sharing this? How could we not be involved? How can we not be in the battle? Let's be faithful servants. In conclusion, let's not forget to see the signs. This world is going down, and is protect. It, it was it is pre, pre, prophesied, and uh, one thing that we note and when we study the end times, is that America is not mentioned. There is no mention of America. And our hope is that because of the rapture, all the Christians are gonna be taken off and America is gonna be like, hey, where is everybody? You know, but, but that's our hope. But as we see, as we look at America, we see it spiraling down at a very rapid rate. And as I pray for our country and I, and I, I love our country and I love Japan as well, it breaks my heart but at the same time i'm realizing hey this is this is something that just might be part of prophecy as uh, as as the lord prepares to come back and as he wakes up his church but we need to look at the signs and the one true and most important sign that we need to be looking at is the return of jesus christ because that will be obvious and if it's not obvious then it's fake Secondly, we need to be in the word of God. One of the things I love about working with Glenn is that I'll sit in the office and he studies hours and hours. And I'm just amazed. But he'll be like, he'll be studying, he'll be laughing and he'll be, uh, what? And he's he's reading these commentaries, getting into the word and, and he loves the word and he feeds us well. But we also need to be feeding ourselves and we need to be obeying this. God's word. And then lastly, uh, men and women, we need to be watchful. We need to be faithful, and we need to be ready. Let's pray. Father, we just praise you and thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you desire no one to perish. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent to die on the cross to wash away our sins. Father, we pray that we would be faithful, that we would be ready, Lord God, that we would be equipping people.